HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. We have a great show for you today. Um, but when I'm not hosting In the Drink, uh, I do uh, work on a small amount of organic Italian wine made with indigenous grapes um, called Anona. Uh, you can find Anona wines at a bunch of great restaurants and retailers, mostly in the tri-state area, but now we're, uh, we're in California and uh, Texas and Colorado as well. Um, but check out www.anonawine.com. Uh, and I'm hearing uh, my girlfriend Alyssa say, you don't need to say the www, but just anonawine.com. People know that it's on the World Wide Webs, and uh, look look for that. I also want to uh, start the show by uh, wishing a congratulations to uh, to my friends David Page and Barbara Shin, who recently sold their wineries. A little local news: uh, they sold the Shin Winery, um, and they are. Uh, uh, I think just enjoying sort of an early retirement um, that they, they've done a lot for sustainability uh, on uh, on the North Fork of Long Island um, and had just uh, I've had some really nice experiences at their their bed and breakfast um, and drinking the wines. So that was that was really great. But I am excited for today's show. This is going to be uh, a fantastic show. And, you know, we start we hear so much about the superstar uh, winemakers, um, that get so much, uh, adoration and the now superstar sommeliers who, you know, are, are all over magazines, but, you know, without, without the importers and distributors, uh, the wine would just be where it is and the sommeliers wouldn't be able to buy any, at least not here in the U S where it's required that you work with an importer and a distributor. Um, and so we have just one of the absolute, 
best. Um, we have in the studio today Michael Skernick, who is the founder and chief executive of Skernick Wines. They are celebrating 30 years in business. Uh, welcome to In the Drink. It's such Thank a pleasure. You. Thanks, Joe. It's great to be here. First of all, um, great news for David Page and, and Barbara Shin. Very, very pleased to hear that. I, what, I guess you could say they could go home again now, which is home was the name of their restaurant that they had on Cornelia Street. Oh, that's uh, right. About 30 years ago before they, they, they moved to Long Island to try and start the, to grow grapes out there, follow the Hargraves out there. So kudos to them. Yeah, they, maybe they can come back and, and start the restaurant again. That would be great. I mean, yeah. I, I loved the, I mean, where do you have that experience where, you know, maybe in, in Europe, uh, but where you're staying in their, you know, in their, in their home, they have the bed and breakfast and then they're cooking the food with, you know, their own ingredients. Yeah. And it, it, in New York, it's, it's hard to find it's something like that. That's pretty great. Uh, thanks for having me here. I'm, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here in, in, in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I love the setup here. I mean, sit, you, Joey was explaining this, this setup up for the, for the, the the uh, recording studio is actually in an old container, restored container in the back of Roberta's restaurant, pizzeria. That's right. This Bushwick. is a shipping container. So for and, me, I mean, that's that's the world you live in. Exactly. I've never actually sat inside a container before. Your and, first one, uh, thirty years in the biz. Thirty years, and we we probably ship. How many containers a year? I'm afraid to say it's a lot. A lot of containers. It's a lot of containers. People will think it's that a you're... a four-letter word. A that, lot. That Let's, you're a, a larger company than, than you are, if you say how many containers. Is that your, is that your concern? I, I, I guess... I, I'm not really concerned, but let people think what they want. Okay. But, uh, you know, uh, what's the old adage? Sizes and everything? I don't know. That's, that's that, a You point. hear that a lot. You hear that a lot. But I guess... You know, what, what is Skernick Wines today? After 30 years, we were celebrating our 30th anniversary this year, which is cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I'd love to know what, uh, I mean, what are the, the biggest, most striking differences between the industry when you started? Mm. Obviously, your company has grown so much, uh, and I do want to get into, into that as well. But what was the industry like in the, in the 80s, and what's it like mm. now? Well, it's changed a lot. I guess, I mean, without tooting my own horn... I'm tooting the horns of all those um, who, who alongside me have really toiled and worked hard to bring uh, finer foods, finer wines, finer oils, finer spices, finer coffee, um, fresher fish. and They all help each other uh, out. Well, we, we, we've all sort of done this side by side, mm-hmm. and I think in 30 years, I would say, you know, one thing for sure is that there's no place in the world where there's better eating options, dining options, uh, wine-consuming options, spirit cocktail options than the United States in general and, and New York in particular. Um, and that's a result of, of, of the last 30 years mm-hmm. of day after day after day of, of you know working hard and knocking down doors and getting people to pay attention to and, and take and take care of themselves in a, you know, in what they consume in a better way. So after all those, all those years, like when I first started, um, if you went out, I worked at windows on the world, which is the restaurant at the top of the, the twin towers. And I, I was a waiter. I started as a, as a lunch waiter, became a dinner waiter. And then I became a, a sommelier. I worked for Kevin's rally. If you went out in Manhattan in those days in 1977, 76, 77, 78, you went to pretty much any restaurant and you wanted to have a glass of wine. You had two options. You had white and red. It was house white and house red. 
There was no such thing. There's as, no wine. There was no, no varietal. There was no varietal wine available by the glass. You had white and red. That's it. You wanted to drink a different kind of wine, then you had to buy a bottle off the list, and that list would probably be predominantly French. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, one of the the only great thing about it is that that the price of the wines on the list probably would have been you know. Twenty dollars and less. Yeah, you buy. You could buy. It was possible uh, to drink the benchmark a, a, a premier wines. cru Chassagne from you know Michonneau for for twenty bucks. Right. You know because the, the supply and demand factor. Very few people knew about the great wines. I mean, the great wines of Burgundy, being you know sort of discovered by Frank Schoonmacher and people like that, who encouraged the producers to start estate bottling the wine. Um, the best French wines were available in New York, mm-hmm. which which is still true. Um, it, you know, that's o- only now if you try to order the best French wine, maybe you can't pay your rent that month. You can't, right? Exactly, <laughs> and and so as the it's sort of like a you know imagine an invisible spider web. If you if it was flat parallel to the ground, and you picked it up, and and the silk would stretch. You know, the top of that. Now you're creating a, a like a spider web pyramid. At the top is you know. Napa Valley Cabernet and, um, you know, Biondi Santi Brunello and uh, Angelo Gaia's, uh, you know, Barbareschi, etc. When you lift that, that, that web up, you, you create space underneath, right? If you think of it like a isosceles triangle mm-hmm. on the bottom, that's why we have all these, this fantastic uh, array of great options we have now, wines from the Jura and, uh, you know, uh, Falangina and Cote de Volpe from, from Campania and, you now know, you're speaking uh, my language. Norella Mascalese and all of these great wa- op- options that are much more affordable. At the same time, winemaking um, in general, the, the, the uh, quality of winemaking has improved radically over 30 years. We're still kind of going with your question about what's changed in 30 mm-hmm. years. So that's another thing is on the winemaking side and, and the, the quality, especially really the grape, the vineyard grape growing side, the viticultural side of things, the improvements have, have been, you know, stratospheric. And, and so at the same time that the pricing of, of, of benchmark wines went in the stratosphere. So, so did, you know, all of the, the improvements in viticulture and vinification and, 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 and the marketing, the market being thirsty for, for things that people could afford. So, I think I hear a lot that it's never been a better time to drink wine. Do you, do you agree with that? Even considering these benchmarks are, you know, it's so rare and hard to find and so expensive now, whereas you used to be able to, to buy them. Is, is, is this the best time to drink wine? It depends what, what kind of wine you like to drink. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you want, it's the best time to drink wine if you like, if you want to be able to go almost anywhere in New York and drink a good bottle of wine, absolutely hands down for sure. But if you want to drink, um, if you want to drink, uh, you know, great aged Burgundy, no, you, you, you have to, you know, you have to you know, go to La Polay. I yeah. mean, that's it, pretty much. That's what it's right. Or, you know, hang out with, yeah. uh, with, you know, five people who are, you know, actually there's four now because one, one's in jail. But four great collectors of wine who have probably, you know, 65% of all the rare wine in the world, uh, you know, in their, in their own cellars. And 50% of that is real. Who knows? Nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. Okay, so you're at... The problem is also not that many people yeah. care. Not, I mean, not enough people care. You want to believe it. 
If it's in front of you, you're like, oh, this is a once in life. You don't want to think it's. You know, a lot of people drink labels, so they don't yeah. really look further than that. So, okay, so you're at Windows on the World. What was that like? Was 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 Kevin a Somalia? Was he the only Somalia in New York at the time? What What was that well, like? he wasn't the only, but he was he was he few. was the youngest. He was okay. twenty. He started. He was twenty five years old, and I think through the wisdom of Joe Baum, who who is is a legend. Uh, a restaurant, New York restaurants were a legend, and Barbara Kafka, who also is is a legend, uh, who worked for the company. It was Barbara Kafka, actually, as I recall, who whose idea it was to to hire a young twenty five year old uh, kid like Kevin, mm-hmm. who was actually a wine salesperson. For, he was probably his his wine selling career was the shortest in the history of New York. I think it was three or four months. He worked for Charmer, which was the you know the predecessor of Empire, one of the predecessors, and he and he, he Windows on the World was a new account, uh, wasn't open yet. And he called on the account and he impressed Barbara Kafka so much that she decided or, or suggested to Joe Baum to hire this kid. Prior to that, you had you know tuxedo clad, test van, silver chain wearing sommeliers in New York at the Twenty One Club, uh, places like that. But they were all you know gray hairs and uh, you know sixty years and older because. Much the way, same way that people, people used to think that unless you were, you know, long gray beard and were old, you couldn't possibly have the wisdom to know to be able to communicate, you know, what it, you know what it is about about you know uh, sensitive or you know uh, interesting subjects like mm-hmm. that. So, a young per- how could a young person know enough about wine to recommend wine to the clientele? And the average clientele was probably twice Kevin's age. So that was. The first thing, and um, it was a, they put together a great wine list. Kevin, there was a gentleman named Alexis Lachine. I don't know if you if you know that name, but I don't, you know, no. Alexis Lachine, uh, amongst the many things he did, he was an importer, but he, he wrote. It's called the Alexis Lachine Encyclopedia of Wine. It was one of the early uh, encyclopedic books on wine. Um, but he was he was from Bordeaux, and he had tremendous connections in Bordeaux, and all of the old Bordeaux was sourced for Windows on the World through Alexis Lachine. If you look through, I don't know if you can find it in history, or you see, you'll see some very old bottles that'll say Alexis Lachine and Company. Mm-hmm. That right. name, brand, was eventually sold to Southern Wine and Spirits, so it's, it doesn't mean the same anymore. I think his son is the, 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 the gentleman named Sasha Lachine, who was behind the Whispering Angel Rosé, which is now ubiquitous uh, everywhere. So it's a, it's a family that's been in, in the business for a long time, and all the old Bordeaux, the, the wines that I was weaned on, what I tasted when I was, you know, just just a young kid working at Windows, were all of these great wines. Um, the Bordeaux went back to 1900, you know, Calon Segur, Montrose, Bechevel, wow. Lynchbage, you know, Jeez. 34, Mouton, 45, you know, Latour, 45, 47, 49, 52, 53, 55, you know, 59, 61, all the great vintages, tasted them over and over and over again. Um, as you, well you as had Burgundy. The opportunity to taste I had them. many opportunities to taste because. So, is this, this is what inspired your interest in wine? Yeah. Your first. Well, it started earlier than that because my, my, my parents uh, were into wine, which is very unusual growing up in Merrick, Long Island, where I did. I can imagine, I, yeah. Well, my mother was like uh, just a. She, she was a very smart lady and she, she just was very interested in a lot of things, very mm-hmm. cultural. And they went to France in 1970 discovered wine, came back, bought a walk-in refrigerator, put it in the basement of our house, and bought... Come uh, on, just for wine? Yeah, just for wine. Wow. And she filled that, that walk-in with 61 
66 Bordeaux, uh, and, and, and some Burgundies as well, and also some German Riesling. Those are the three categories that we had. That was it. A little Rioja as well. It's amazing. So I, I, I was exposed to wine yeah. in, in, a, in a small way that I knew I was aware. I knew what Beaujolais was. I knew, I knew that these were places and where, where, where wine was made. And I knew that wine was supposed to, that food was supposed to be accompanied by wine. Right. And then you really dove deeper once you went to Windows. I ended up, I wanted to, um, when I graduated college, I wanted mm-hmm. to live in Manhattan. I moved, I actually moved to an apartment in Tribeca before anybody knew what to call the region um, and looked up at the Twin Towers and said, you know, uh, maybe I should go in there and apply for a job because I, I play guitar. I want to be a musician. Met some people who said, you know, how do you, how do you make a living and play music in New York? Well, you've got to work in restaurants. I had no experience, so I went up there and, and you know, make a long story short, I got hired. I got hired. And uh, that's, that's how it started. But while I was there, as a waiter, I started to learn about wine. And then when a job came up in the cellar, there were two assistant positions for, for to Kevin, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, I took it. It was a big pay cut, but it was an opportunity to learn about wine. You know, people crazy. always ask, you know, what what's you know what what was the epiphany? What was the wine that made you a wine lover? So and I know exactly what they were, and I can I can see exactly where I was when I tasted. Well, what them. was it? And then you want to also ask yourself the next question that I have for you. No, I'm just kidding. What, what, wait, what, what was the line? What I, was the... <laughs> <laughs> well, there were two of them. One was the uh, 61 Chateau Lynch Bage. 61 Lynch Bage. And, yeah. uh, and the other was the 72 Latache. These were have both these, made me speechless. Have these wines, have you had them uh, multiple times later on in your career? Have they kind of held up to the same esteem? As I have those? not. I mean, I had them multiple times back in back that, that two-and-a-half-year two period that I was there. I probably had those wines, each of those wines, about 18 different times, I would say. Holy cow. Mm. There was a lot of wine, and there weren't a lot of people buying, you know, yeah. at, Across the country Jeez. again. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Okay, so then, uh, then you left Windows on the World to work. Uh, you started a, a, a long tradition of people leaving the restaurant industry to work for a distributor. Yeah, I'd like to call an end to that right now, please. Because <laughs> num- number one, I'm losing a lot of great customers that way, and oh, number yeah. two, I'm getting a lot of great competitors that way. And mm-hmm. enough is enough, guys. All right. I remember when I, I was worked for Vinifera for a year. <laughs> for Vinifera Imports, uh-huh. selling wines, 22 years old, and told the founder of Vinifera that I was leaving to work at Babo as a sommelier. And he said, are you crazy? No one, you've, you've made reverse, it. You're working reverse, for a distributor. Yeah. You know, everyone leaves working in the restaurants to do this. You're out of your mind. Yeah, but you were only 12. So. I was 12 years old. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah, you it was go get, grape juice for you me. You had to go get your experience. Yeah, so things have, ch- things have changed a lot and mostly almost entirely in, in, in a positive way. I think, you know, today you have a fragmentation going on the same way we have in, you know, in, in, in with the Internet and, and such easy accessibility to information, misinformation, disinformation mm-hmm. is very prevalent in the world, Fake in our news. political, in our political world, in our vinous world and um, in our own, in our own lives. I mean, I think it's it's really an interesting time. I, I'm hopeful that we'll look back on this time in in history. I don't know how long it's going to last. Five years, maybe, maybe ten, maybe longer. Of nobody knowing truly what what is going on, because you, you don't know who's telling the truth and who's not. So I think we'll look back on this period as this, this sort of 
um, you know, amorphous and uh, time of entropy with you know molecules flying around and people saying things and and making statements and people believing people as Pied Pipers, that they following the wrong people, mm-hmm. or the wrong ideas, and eventually it'll all sort out like a sorting table, and eventually things will settle down, and you'll know that, you know, if you listen to Joey Campanale's show, you're going to get the straight dope, and, you know, no bull from, from him, whereas somebody else is, is talking out their ass, you know. So I think there's a lot of that going on right now, and people, especially young people, um, who don't have the didn't have the um, benefit or the, the the good fortune that I did, mm-hmm. people in my generation, to actually begin their their wine journey and not and wine knowledge on the, on the class with the classics, and understand fully what the classics are and what uh, the history and the tradition is. And that is the foundation upon which everything else is built. Do you built. think that's still important if, if someone's starting out, say, learn, learn Bordeaux, learn what Sancerre is? Learn, a- absolutely. I mean, learn Barolo, I, learn would, the classics that's, first. That, that, that is a must. Mm-hmm. That is a must. How can you talk about wine? How can you talk about Chardonnay if, if, if all you've had is wines from the Jura? I mean, they're very, very good wines, and they're very interesting, and sometimes they are great. No question. Especially mm-hmm. if you're going to have a, you know, a wine that's three years old from the Jura is going to, if you're fortunate, is going to be so amazingly open and mature more than a 15-year-old, you know, Merceau. Or maybe it'll, you know, approx- approximate what a great aged Merceau would taste like if you pulled out a bottle of Rouleau from the cellar or something like that. Right. So there's great opportunity of value in that but you know i mean i don't know i'm trying to think of a good analogy i mean how do you how do you become a surgeon if you don't study um medicine yeah you can't start by specializing in you know being a, a foot surgeon you gotta you gotta know the body yeah know what blood is you have to yeah to know your biology you gotta be first. ready for yeah for you know anything and uh so i think that's missing somewhat uh in the in the in the desire for people to become experts mm-hmm. or to at least feel that they can um, be, 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 be considered can, in the I conversation. I understand why it's tempting, though, because uh, part of the joy of wine for so many people and uh, is, is this discovery aspect, finding something new, tasting something yeah. new. So uh, I can imagine that 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 like gravitating towards sort of more obscure things uh, is probably really alluring. It's true, but guess what? You know what's obscure right now? Bordeaux. That's true. Yeah. Obscure. You know what? There's a lack of understanding, fundamental understanding of Bordeaux, um, except I, for the maybe the top most famous, right, which represents a hundredth of one percent of all Bordeaux. Right, but they, you know, Bordeaux has shot themselves in the foot by by by. Uh, you know, having the price, the prices of the of all the you know the, the the top classified growths, the top five growths, most of them are priced too high to be on wine list. You know mm-hmm. that, and you have you, mm-hmm. you know, even the restaurant business. I wonder if there's going to be a correction, like Chateau Yaquem. There's like a price correction, right? They mm-hmm. they kept jacking up the price, and then they realized, wow, this is actually affecting our sales. Um, and it's also they you know you you see this also in Napa Valley. It's the same problem. Um, with the top wines. They're too expensive oh, yeah. for people to drink. Even if 
the style of the wines is this is is something desirable for someone uh they, they cannot be drunk they cannot be ordered off of wine lists and i think with chateau chem as as the world's greatest sweet wine the world's great the absolute top you know uh sauterne there's such a little mar- such a small market for that wine now because pe- the, the you know the the trend is not to drink sweet wine mm-hmm. pretty much so they're feeling it there's you know it's it's just uh, but you know in there in there there's opportunity to rediscover it because i mean one of the greatest experiences you can have is 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 an, is an aged mature chateau chem and what i like to do is find a friend who's richer than me and, I like to and, find these and, friends, and, yeah. and find somebody who, who's who's got some chateau can and hang out with them. That's 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 what I would do. That's the move. Yeah, I, have it with- I happen to have one. I have a friend who has a great collection of chateau can. You know who you are, and um, we get together for dinner. There's a bunch of us get together for dinner three four times a year, and we always finish with the can. And that's the only time I ever drink it. Yeah, and. I cannot drink more than an ounce and a half of it. Right. You have a half bottle that's good for like six people. Yeah. 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 At least. At least. least. All right. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back more with Michael Skernick, the founder of Skernick Wines, uh, right after this. Foods USA is a farm-to-table online butcher and founding sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Foods got its start when Patrick Martin's first stepped foot onto Frank Reese's Kansas farm in 2001. Back then, Frank was the only farmer in America raising true heritage turkeys with recorded lineages tracing back more than 150 years. Patrick knew instantly he'd found a unique moment, an opportunity to go beyond acknowledging these breeds as being jeopardized and to actually do something to save them. Patrick asked Frank to ramp up production and made a promise to him that if he would raise them, Heritage Foods USA would sell them. That was the moment that Heritage Foods' slogan, Eat Them to Save Them, was born. By creating a market for delicious meats from Heritage Breeds, we can ensure they'll be around for generations to come. Plus, Heritage Breeds just tastes a whole lot better. Learn more at HeritageFoodsUSA.com and use the code HERITAGERADIO for two free pork chops with your first order, brother. We're back on In the Drink. I'm here with Michael Skernick, the founder of Skernick Wines, uh, celebrating their 30 years in business. And uh, they just a, a ton of great wines and spirits. And I was actually going back through some of our archives, and I realized that we have quite a few uh, of our guests have been um, have been wines that are represented by uh, by Michael Skernick. I just want to go through them with you. Most recently, we had Kathy Corzin, who is uh, who's been there since the beginning. Who's been with you for thirty years? A, yeah. a true legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paris Sigalis of Domaine Sigalis, Oscar Binky of Herman J. Weimer, uh, Jasmine Hirsch Hirsch Winery, Ivan Giuliani of Terenzuolo, Victor. 
Arutia. Arutia of Kune, uh, Karaboski's of Epira. That was actually my first Barolo visit ever. Mark Fornatale set that up for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Raj Parr has been on several times of, of Sandy. Matt Licklider of Lioko. Um, we actually have also had your Spirits Portfolio Manager. I don't know if that's his correct title, but Adam Schumann, um, who's putting together the most interesting you know, liquor, you. liquor program yeah. uh, in, in the city right now. Yeah. And I was also going through, I mean, you have hundreds of different uh, producers, and there are so many I would love to have on the show, uh, some that I would like to. Can you, can you help with this? Uh, Terry Thies, can you get him on the show? <laughs> Well, I can, I can, I can probably put it this way. I, I can probably help more than most people. All right, <laughs> but that's not saying a lot. Yeah, because Terry is, is a very busy, very busy man. He's very just busy. ask him. Yeah, <laughs> and he he, uh, he doesn't live in New York, and he doesn't come through New York that often. But uh, Terry, please, next time you're in New York, if you're listening, yeah. we would love to have you on the show. This is a plea, please, Terry Thies, if you're out there, please. Come visit the show. And for you, those of you who don't know, Terry Thies uh, works uh, works with Michael and imports uh, some of the best grower champagne. I mean, really, uh, put grower Thank champagne you. on the you know on, on, on everyone's radar. Right. And like, kudos to you for uh, going big when uh, when he said that we should have. I mean, from my understanding of the story, uh, Terry was like. We should have grower champagne, and I wanted to bring in a lot of them. And you guys said, "Okay, let's bring in like a bunch of them. Let's go big on this, and not just like put your toe in the water." Um, and yeah, then- well, we you know we were used to um, we were used to, to to engaging in labors of love, which mm-hmm. is what I like to call them. You know, we've done this so many times over that that it's it's not. It doesn't it doesn't uh, dissuade us when we discover something that's that's really new and interesting, whether there's a market or not for it. It started with, uh, you know, with German Riesling. You know, we didn't invent the market for German Riesling, but it was pretty, pretty much close to non-existent when we started with Terry selling German wines in the United States and getting um, the beginning was finding, you know, kindred souls in people like um Paul Greco for sure, uh, but even before him, Steve Olson, who mm-hmm. was the uh, the guy that, that opened the Gramercy Tavern Wine Program with Danny Meyer, Scott Carney, who was the uh, brains behind Gotham Bar Wine Program, a number of people like that who who believed in Riesling when nobody wanted to know anything about Riesling or German Riesling. So we did that. And some years after that, um, Terry said, hey, I got another great idea, Austrian wine. Mm-hmm. And there had been this tremendous scandal in Austria, uh, I think, in what year was it? I want to say... 87, 89, something like that? No, no, recent. It was, it more was, recent. It was, I think, 85. I, I forget exactly. There was a terrible scandal. Uh, people died. Some, some giant industrial wineries in, in Austria had... Um, without getting into it, 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 it really ruined the entire market for Austrian wine, which was tiny. They to be, doctored their was, wines with poison, right? The, essentially, with methanol it was gly, gly, um, gly- diethylene glycol, which was, mm-hmm. which, which is something that um, is actually an antifreeze, but it will, can mimic uh, uh, oiliness or glycerol qualities in the wine and sweetness. So the style was for sweet wine. And so th- there were, there were some, some, it was, it was terrible. So, Austrian wine was completely destroyed globally, and the next generation of kids came up, and they said, "You know, we, we've got to we've got to change things here." And 
the revolution that, that took place was, was nothing short of extraordinary. Terry found out about it, went over and, and made some great contacts. Nobody was bringing in Austrian wine. And so he had it basically could handpick all the best wineries. And so we brought this strange grape called Gruner Veltliner into the New York market at that time, and nobody knew what it was. And so we had to go out and find champions again on-premise, restaurants, by the glass, wineless, get the, the, the summaries of Who the day. Who are the early Gruner Veltliner champions? Basically the same people I mentioned for Riesling. Yeah, yep. that makes yep. sense. People who were like were looking for mineral uh, wines that, that, you know, that expressed the, the sense of place and and went great with food, especially Grunewald Lena. Like, there, there's no better uh, wine with asparagus or artichoke, the two, the two uh, enemies of, of all wine anywhere. So, so we started that. So then, when Terry, you know, the third thing, the the third, the, the part, the part of the triumvirate, the grower champagne movement. Um, when he suggested that, we said, "We're all in. We're we're all in. Let's do it." Once again, he went to Champagne. Nobody was was bringing in grower champagnes. I want to say nobody. Of course, there are exceptions to all those rules. Skernick Wines was an exception. We were, we were already importing and selling happily Egli Aurier, which mm-hmm. is one of the great grower champagnes from Ambonnet. And still, after still all is. these years, when yeah. even yeah. better every year, every year they get better and better and better. I love the rosé. Yeah, the rosé is great. Um, the you know the the wines are on the lease for some of the wines are on the lease for like six years and. Mm-hmm. So it's a Pinot Meunier cuvee too, right? Yes, yeah, that's the, yes, the Vrigny, which is was his wife's a parcel that belonged to his wife. Um, anyway, uh, so we began with Grower Champagne, and we were very successful, of course, because the wines are fabulous. The wines of Vilmar and Pierre Peters and and um, some of the other producers that that were that are in the Terithi's portfolio. Now it's a good time to talk about. Um, the fact that you know the term grower champagne has become ubiquitous and now everybody wants to drink grower champagne so great but just because it's grower champagne doesn't mean it's better champagne right you know there are lots of growers in champagne there are four or five or maybe a little more a handful of grand marks in champagne who are basically negociant and they dominate the champagne business at you know before before we started importing Grower Champagne, it was probably 95% of all the champagne was sold by Grand Marks. I don't know what the number is now, but it's considerably less. But there's still, there's still, nobody's, nobody's, you know, losing any sleep or crying for the Grand Marks champagne producers. But now we have had, we've seen a lot of, a lot of people decide, I'm going to bring in some Grower Champagne. Well, it doesn't mean it's better. That's my point. In Champagne, the overall same thing that I said earlier. About it's Bernie. like the craft beer movement, right? Not it's every just, craft beer is like most the, of them are not good. Most, most of, of the craft are beer good, are not yeah. good. But the best experiences with beer are, with are craft going beers. to be craft beer, and the yeah. best, very good. Thank you. Oh, the yeah, best yeah. experiences with champagne are going to be grower champagne. The best growers make the best champagne. So, again, you got to taste for yourself. And today, there there are lots of great. Grower champagnes in the market that are not with Terry Thies and not with Skernick, and 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 there are lots of great grower champagnes that are with us. And you know, there's it's 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 fascinating because you helped create a market uh, a market for this, right. and it's I think it's better for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, with so many uh, producers at this point, and I think just extraordinarily high quality producers, how do you decide 
who you're going to take on? Is there a, a philosophy, a mission statement? Is there something that you go back no, to when you decide on someone, someone new? Specific to champagne or just in general? In general. No, it, a, it's, a it's taste. It's just tasting, tasting. You know, it, it, you know, we taste all the time. We taste every day. You mentioned Mark Fornatale, so he's he's the, uh, the the Italian portfolio manager, and we've got a manager in each portfolio, it's a guru. Yeah. Really is, so, yeah. but we work together. So, you know, my brother Harm and I were we're like the uh, the hub of the wheel, and all the portfolios are like spokes that come out from this hub. We have people like Mark in each portfolio, or Adam Schumann in the Spurs yeah. portfolio. They do research. We bring sample. We we taste together with each portfolio manager. And we choose, and you know, we taste, we reject, we, 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 we reject ninety-five percent of everything that we taste. Not always because the wine isn't good, mostly because the wine isn't good or not not good enough for our portfolio. Um, but often it's also because you know we may have twenty-seven dolcettos already, right? And that's enough. Yeah. yeah. It depends. I mean, one of the things that your company is known for is attracting great people to work for you. you. I mean, you have, you know, I just had Mark Fornatale, you have Schwartz is amazing, right. Adam Schumann. You have all of these incredible people who are working for you and also Joel Schott. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you have great and people also, and Joel. That uh, sounds like a t-shirt. And also <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And also Joel Schott. Um, yeah. how, do you, how do you go about attracting such incredible Well, first talent? we have these microchips that we put in, you know, we, we, we implant in their necks and so they can't get away. No, I'm, oh, kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm joking. And if they it. act poorly, you zap them? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that there's a desire after, you know, 30 years of, of building the business, whatever it is that we are. And it, whatever it is that the perception is that we are um, is is attractive to to people who who ha- are curious and um, have a thirst for knowledge, want to want to learn, and want to also be uh, want to want to be in an environment where they can learn constantly, and one where um, you know, I think I think Harmon and I are big proponents of empowerment of our staff. And we, we don't, you know, we, we, we like I mean, whoever has the best idea wins in our environment. You know, it's not like there's a, you know, politically correct uh, corporate, you know, structure. None of that exists. It's just, hey, you know, and it's, you know, when we moved our offices to, to the Flatiron in Manhattan, it, it was a game changer for us. Yeah. I remember the days when people mm-hmm. uh, would say that they had to do their six months of hard time at your Long Island <laughs> office, right? right? It was that, that was yeah. the thing. Like, yeah. they had to yeah. work at the Long Island office for six months before they were allowed to. Right. Uh, and so now, yeah, your new offices in, in Midtown are beautiful. Yeah. You have Thank a, you. I mean, a, a, the bar that you have there, yeah. the open office setup. It's, it's just, just an a, open a setup for, for, you know, makes it easier for, for people to come and visit us and to taste with us and to, you know, do you ever feel like for your employees, for new employees, that they're 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 getting off too easy at this point? You're like the the guys who've been here for you know for a yeah. long time. Yeah. They had to they had to go out right. to Long Island, so it, don't you it, complain? It's not so much that. It's more like we're it's it's a it's a it's it's a difficulty for, for us in in a sense. I'm, I'm I'm sort of half joking, but you know, if if you came to us and said, look, you know, I want to work for you. I, I I love what I what I hear, what I see. I want to learn. I want to learn about wine. And I say, well, you live in, in, in Brooklyn, but you, you've got to come to Syosset, Long Island, on the Long Island Railroad five days a week. And you've got to be there by 9 a.m. You know, 
You'd be like, oh, you know, if you said yes, that told me that you had what it, what it takes. I don't have that anymore because, you know, we're missing that filter. Right. Right. It's a filter. Like if someone's willing to give to, to do that and give up, you know, spending because you, you spend more hours at work than you do anywhere else. That's true. So if yeah. they were willing to do that, it spoke volumes about their their commitment. And, and usually it, it, it worked out that they, they were a, a good hire. Today, you know, it's – but the fact is that, that we're, Harmon and I, we're great at two things, uh, many things, but two specifically. One is um, being able to find great wines and, and taste and select, and the other is find great employees and select them. So the combination of those two things is really, you know, what we do better than probably anybody else. And now in 2014, when you made the, the move, you also changed the name of the company from Michael Skernick Wines to, to Skernick Wines right. to really re- reflect from what I understand the fact that it's not just, it's your family, right? There's, well, there's that, a lot of people in your family. That was there. really, that, 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 it looks like from the outside that that would, would have been the reason. And mm-hmm. it certainly was part of it, but it wasn't the main, the main impetus was something much simpler than that because my brother Harmon Skernick wanted me to change the name for 25 years and I said well it's not Harmon's wines no just Skernick right (laughs) so but you know I said look it's not not broken there's no reason to change it so around the same time that we moved to the city (coughs) excuse me we also you know designed a new website we designed a new logo and we were also getting we we hired Adam Schumann and we were getting Valen Spirits so in the design phase of coming up with the logo, it looked like, you know, it just didn't look right. There were too many words. If we're going to call the wines Michael Skernick Wines and Spirits, because we, we had a debate. Are we calling it Skernick Wines? Or are we calling it Skernick Wines and Spirits? Because it, Spirits is part of the company now. Right. And we decided it has to, wine and spirits has to be in the name of the company. And I said, it wasn't Harmon pressuring me. It was like, I, I said, well, you know, we, that's too many words. Either the spirits goes or the Michael goes. And, you know, let's get rid of the Michael. And it's yeah. called Skernick Wine Spirits. Skernick Wine Spirits. The fact is that we have, you know, a, a second that's generation right. in the business is is, uh, is another reason why it's yeah. good and to be Skernick Wine how do you, Spirits. And how do you balance that? How do you... Um, I know one of your one of your producers, uh, Christina Turley, was telling me about when she went to work. She she lived here in the city for a while, worked yeah. for Momofuku. She went back and and worked you know at her her parents' winery, and and her dad said, "Okay, you have to." get into the office earlier than everyone else. You have to leave after everyone. And by yeah. the way, you're getting yeah. paid as much as the least as the person right. who's getting paid the least in the company. Yeah. How do you balance integrating family into, you know, this company with, mm-hmm. with, uh, with a bunch of non-family people also? That's actually, you know, Christina's example is very well stated. You know, that's essentially what, what we do as well. I mean, you can't, uh, I mean, you have to earn respect, in, in life in all aspects. So, you know, they, they, if, if they're coming in and they're, they're, their last name is Skernick, then it, there's even more pressure or, or more, of, more of a reason to, to roll up your sleeves and prove that you, you know, you're not afraid to, to do anything or to, you know, and to work ha- as hard, if not harder than anybody else and roll up your sleeves, pick up the cases, clean up the, you know, clean up the tasting room. Uh, that's the kind of thing people see. You can't, you can't just say, oh, you, you have to respect me. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. You have to show that you deserve respect. And I think that's 
what we what we've achieved you know so far yeah and uh, i just want to finish on uh, you mentioned that you have a new website and i want to give a plug to you for something that i think yeah. that you're doing is really cool the skernik unfiltered Okay. It's hard to find good information, yeah. good videos. You, it's clear that you've dedicated, you guys have devoted a lot of time and effort into um, to videos. There was a recent Kathy Corison video. Yeah, uh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, yeah, so I, I think that, that you're doing great stuff. And your website was always one of the better ones for finding information about, Thank you. about producers. As someone who is a, a wine buyer, mm-hmm. I feel like that's really helpful mm-hmm. to be able to easily access information about, about the producer. It helped me to sell the wines better. And now your new website is really, it's clear that you've, you've invested a lot in it's that. A, it's a mammoth task to, to keep a website like that updated. Mm-hmm. It's just, I can I mean, imagine. Yeah. We, if, if we have one of the best websites, that's nice to hear. But you know, we're not satisfied with it. It, you know, it only has maybe 70, 78, 79% of the information that it should have. So it's, it's just, it's, it's a bear because we're, we're so busy selling wine, shipping it out every day that, you know, we don't have time to input all the data. But from, from the, the videos, thank you for mentioning that because we have put a lot of effort and work into that. And the reason is that we believe that education is a, is a big part of what, of what we do. And we feel that we feel a sense of obligation to our producers. You know, they're almost all, mostly they are small farmers, families who have generations upon generations of the same family living on the same land. Uh, and they put their trust in us to represent them and, and, and to sell their wine properly and to, to, to buy the amount of wine that we've promised we're going to buy. And, you know, we believe in them and that's why we, that's why we choose them. Uh, and they choose us, but we have to do everything we can. The website is one example. The, the you know, producing the videos in in this time, this day and age, video uh, a two and a half, three minute video, you know, with the attention span of the average person and the you know the the ADD that exists out there, you've got to put it out there and and write you know maybe in in three years or five years it'll be you know virtual reality. I don't know what's coming next, but right now you can get people's attention more easily with a short video that is accurate and true and communicates a little bit of the sense of who this person is, what the, what this place is about. And so, you know, it's a big investment, but you're supposed to have a return on investment, we, we hope. So that's why I like to look at these things as investments, because I think that and your recognition of that is 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 part of that return. So. Oh yeah, it helps keep me on the on the website. And yeah. ultimately, you know, when when selling the wines in in a restaurant or a wine bar, it it makes you feel more confident selling the wines. So you have better information about mm. them, and uh, I always appreciate it. You know, we look around. We we all have resources, and we we have assets, and and communication is 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 the thing that where that you, know, you can translate those things to other people through communication. It, you would call it public relations. That's really what it is. You can call it anything you want, but it's really communicating um, that which is special, unique, uh, and important about, about what it is that we do. So, All right. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap us up here. All right. And next week, we'll have some more communications about what's special and unique in uh, what we do. Um, but, Michael, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. I, 
any restaurant that I am ever a wine buyer for, we will, we will always have Skernick Wines and Spirits. Uh, you, you guys you. are a great thank partner, you. and uh, it's been an honor to have you on the show. Thanks so much. So Joe. thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank David Tadashore who produced the show. Uh, help was provided by Haley Crane, and Katie Wadley is the executive director of Heritage Radio Network. This has been In the Drink. We'll see you next week. For listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.